0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 255.
1: I wrote a letter to Jackie Stewart when I was about 12 years old. I was a go kart racer, and I wrote letters to all of my kind of Formula One hero drivers telling them that I wanted to be a Formula One driver. I probably sent it to eight or ten different drivers, and Jackie Stewart was the only one who ever responded. You know, he was very encouraging. He said, pursue your dreams and practice your craft. And so that's really what I've done. This is Cars Yeah where you'll enjoy interviews with
0: inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce a very special returning guest here on Cars, yeah? Dominic Dobson. Dominic, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am, Mark. Awesome. Great to have you here. Dominic Dobson made 65 starts driving Indy cars between 1984 and 1994, including seven consecutive starts at the Indianapolis 500. He was CART Rookie of the Year in 1986 and was the fastest rookie in Indianapolis history in 1988. He drove numerous IMSA and other sports car races, including the 24 Hour of Le Mans, the 24 Hours of Daytona, and the 12 Hours of Sebring in a Porsche 962. He also raced two years for Dodge and North America Touring Car Championship, and he was an instructor at Bob Bondra Driving School at Sears Point Raceway and started Zephyr Racing in the mid-1980s. After retiring from racing in 1998, Dominic presided over a multi-million dollar collection of historic automobiles at the Cavalino Collection, and he founded Motion Research Corporation. Currently, Dominic is the National Club Auto Director for LeMay American's Car Museum in Tacoma, and Dominic is dusting off his helmet and will be returning to the race car to compete at Pikes Peak Hill Climb, in a Radical SR8. Dominic, if I told our listeners just a little about you, would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your racing career and what got you back in the seat of a race car to compete at Pike's Peak?
1: Well, I often wonder, I ask myself that in the middle of the night when I wake up, Mark, <laughs> uh, as in, what the hell are you doing, Dominic, <laughs> getting back in a race car? But, you know, I've, I've been kind of unwavering in this notion that even though I retired 17 years ago, it never gets out of your blood. Once you love cars, once you love speed, once you like pressing down with your right foot and steering with your arms and hands and brain, it never leaves you. So rather than get frustrated about it or rather than drive too fast on the street, (laughs) I just had this notion in my mind that at some point I'd like to go do a couple of uh, other events. And I wasn't sure for a long time what those events were after I retired. Well, in '05 or in '04, actually, I had a chance to do a motorcycle ride down in Baja. Cool. Uh, with a guy um, named Chris Haynes, and we ran some Honda 450s and just had a ball for three, four days uh, bet. through the desert. And at the end, he said, "You know, have you ever thought about racing a Baja?" And I said, "Sure, I'd." I've always thought about Baja. I think it'd be a blast. He goes, well, you know, we can put you on a bike next year if you want. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to get it on a bike and do this. You know, I am i don't mind riding, but I'm not going to race on a motorcycle. But I would love to race a car, something with four wheels. And so he introduced me to people uh, down there, the Baja Challenge people. And we uh a buddy of mine and I had been talking about it for years. So we, in 2005, did the Baja 1000. Cool. Unfortunately, we didn't finish. We ended up getting a little wet in the process. but it <laughs> can happen. I did enjoy it, and I would definitely go back and do it again. And so I thought, well, that's kind of one of my bucket list races. And I wasn't sure what the other ones were. So about uh, maybe two, three years after that, a friend of mine runs, uh, Rod Faulkner from Dumontec runs a team called Faulkner Livingston Racing. And they got very involved with motorcycles and ran the factory Ducati team for a number of years. And they also ran Suzuki's and Honda's and things. But they ran at both Bonneville and Pikes Peak. In motorcycles, And he said, you ought to come out and check out these races. He said, they're just unbelievable. They're not that well-known, you know, in terms of spectators and things. But he said, they're fantastic races. So I went out with him just as his guest, watched both both races, and fell in love with both of them. Hmm. And so I thought, well, now I have my bucket list. Now, now I know what races I want to do uh, before I really hang up the helmet for good. And so running Pike's Peak this year is the stage one of my fulfilling my bucket list dream. in terms of car races, and then uh, hopefully in the next year or two, we can get out and do Bonneville as well.
0: Well, it sounds absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited for you, and I think it's great that at this point in your life, you decide, you know what, I'm going to tackle some other challenges, because you've done so much in your life. Just when you look at just your racing history... And you and I were talking the other day, and I wondered if you discovered that this is true. Once you've finished this Pikes Peak Climb, I think you may have check marks in more boxes for more events than any other race car driver in the world.
1: Could that be true? Well, it's possible. I haven't really done the research, but I have this notion, Mark, that once I complete Bonneville, then my racing resume, amongst other smaller races, will include Indy, Le Mans, Daytona, Sebring, Goodwood… Baja, Bonneville, and Pikes Peak. And I think if if someone, one of your listeners ever has some you know extra hours to spend doing some research, uh, and I've chatted with a few journalist friends, but we can't come up with any other names that have done all those races that is alive. Oh, phenomenal. So <laughs> I, I think it would be just kind of a fun thing to kind of put on my resume and say, you know, I'm, I'm crazy enough to have done all these races.
0: Well, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, if there are some listeners out there, Let's do a little homework. I think I'm going to do the same and see if we can come up with that uh, that list and see if there's any other names on it. Now, when you were on here before, you know I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. And maybe you've got something new for us this time. You were guest number 10 on Cars Yeah, almost a year ago. You're guest number 255 now. So I've talked to a lot of people. I've heard a lot of success quotes and mantras between now and them.
1: Do you have one you could share with us? You know... Probably the best quote I ever really received from anyone was uh, I wrote a letter to Jackie Stewart when I was about 12 years old. I was a go-kart racer, and I wrote letters to all of my kind of Formula One hero drivers telling them that I wanted to be a Formula One driver. And I probably sent it to eight or ten different drivers, and Jackie Stewart was the only one who ever responded. (laughs) And basically, you know, he was very encouraging. He said, you know, pursue your dreams and practice your craft. And so that's really what I've done.
0: Well, I love that. And now I do remember that quote from uh, when you were on the show before. And I think it's it's still appropriate because dusting off that helmet and getting back into practicing your craft is exactly what you're up to here. At this point, I usually ask a guest to share with me a story that instigated your passion for racing. But what has instigated this passion to get back in a car and run at Pike's Peak? Is there something... You talk about waking up at night, but is there something that just hits you that said, I've got to go do this?
1: You know, for me, I guess it was a combination of things. Probably the most was that, you know, I find my life certainly not boring. I don't let my life get boring. I keep a lot of balls in the air, and I like I like it that way. I, I like to have a lot of activities and a lot of things. So I never understand people that say, I'm so bored, I'm so bored. <laughs> I think, why don't you go out and do something with your life? Yes. And so I found myself, you know, my kids are in high school now. One's going off to college and they're busy with their lives. I'm single. You know, my work at the museum is, you know, basically kind of a five day a week, nine to five, although we have events and things. So I kind of think, you know, what should I be doing that, you know, is really fun? And I think about, you know, riding my bike, which I love to do and going on hikes and things like that, traveling. But none of those things really provide the kind of adrenaline that I've been used to for, you know, many years when I was racing. And so I thought I've kept myself in pretty good shape. My passion for cars hasn't uh, diminished in any way. Why don't I go do something that's really going to cause me to focus and, you know, get myself back into the shape I was when I was racing, go and work out and practice on wherever I can and get out and drive something fast and have some fun and see if I can accomplish something. So that's really all it was for me. It, it, you know, and it just didn't happen in a flash. It, kind of evolved over a couple of years. Well, I think it's wonderful. I always like to ask my guests
0: about a huge challenge or a failure they faced along the way in your career. And since you've already been on the show, maybe I twist this up a little bit and ask about what kind of challenges do you face when you try to attempt or you come back to attempt to compete in something like Pike Peak Hill Climb?
1: Well, I have had a lot of challenges in my life. I would say the single biggest challenge I ever faced as a race driver was qualifying at Indianapolis, not just the first time, but every time. <laughs> Talk about a focused four or five minutes of your life. Yes. You spend so much energy, so much time, so much money, so much effort on so many people's part to put you in a position to get into that race, much less run the race itself. And I always enjoyed those challenges. And, and you know, I, uh, without sounding boastful, I always found that I kind of rose to the occasion and was able to f- perform my best under that pressure mm-hmm. uh, and I always kind of like the idea that it was just me on the track and running against the clock you know racing against people is what it's all about but there's something very singularly focused about um, having kind of this solo performance where you're on the track it's you it's the clock and that's all that matters mm-hmm. yeah there may be you know a million people watching but it, you don't think about that at the moment you're just thinking about you, the stopwatch, and getting you know, to the finish line,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just in one piece, but <laughs> as quickly as you possibly can. And so that's kind of the appeal for me, I think, about Pike's Peak, is that, yeah, sure, it's a race, it's a hill climb, but it's just you and the mountain.
0: It's an amazing run, and as we're doing this recording here, this is uh, a week where cars are out on the Indianapolis racetrack qualifying right now, or practicing, rather, I should say, qualifying, I believe, comes next week, Is that right?
1: Uh, Qualifying is this weekend. This This, weekend. This weekend. Practicing all week. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the hill climb in that sense is a great example of you, your machine, and just – Going against that nasty thing called time that is relentless and it's always attacking us. This event, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the aspects of Pike's Peak because it is so unique and it has a lot of very unique aspects to it. I think it also is, if not the second oldest race in America, is that
1: right? It is the second oldest race in America, that's correct. Yeah. Um, behind the Indy 500 of all things. <laughs>
0: well and that's why you need to do it i think how about shifting gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum talk about aha moments is there a particular aha moment in your racing career that stands out or maybe something that has to do with this next venture of yours that it just you said it took some time to develop but was there something that popped in your head that said well this is the kind of car i'm going to drive
1: or this is why i'm going to do this event actually the car that i'm well yeah, in in kind of a uh, obscure way I'm going to answer your question. The car that I intended to drive at both Pikes Peak and Bonneville was an IndyCar. car. My original idea was that I would take an IndyCar car and modify it uh or you know m- make it applicable to the rules uh for both Pikes Peak because no one's ever driven an Indy car Pikes Peak a modern one. Mm-hmm. And then do the same thing at Bonneville. Well, As I started looking into the rules and started talking to the people who made the rules and enforced the rules there, it became pretty apparent that IndyCar was not going to be a very practical accomplishment because of their requirements for roll cage, self-starter, and reverse gear. Okay. I think one of the F1 teams was going to bring a car here several years ago, and they ran into the same issues. And they decided it would just be too big of an engineering venture and expense to do it. Mm-hmm. So I started kicking around for different kinds of cars. And in talking to this friend of mine, George Scott in, uh, in Aspen, he said, well, you know, I've got this radical. He said, if you can't find anything else, you know, you, you, you can run that. And I didn't give it a whole lot of thought because I was kind of focused on other things. And then as we got closer and closer, all of a sudden the radical started sounding really good. <laughs> and now I'm thrilled with the concept of it because he's gotten on board and he's been, you know, really good about, making the car available and, and, you know, giving me a lot of moral support. And it's allowed me, you know, to finally go forward and make a commitment, and, you know, state unequivocally that we're going to go out and do this.
0: Tell us a little bit about the Radical. For those listeners that don't know a lot about this car, can you tell us what this car is, is all about, the power plant and how it's set up, the kind of car it is?
1: Yeah, you bet. The Radical is, it's a great car in that it was built specifically really for track day. It's a kind of a track car. They're made in England by a company called Radical Cars. And they've got a variety of different engine packages. But effectively, all of these cars are uh, small sports cars. Mm-hmm. They are uh, typically, you know, kind of 1,300 to 1,500 pounds. They have two seats or one seat, depending on the configuration. They've got uh, typically a six speed gearbox. Lightweight bodywork, some are coupes, some are spiders, and they have a variety of different engine packages. This particular one's got a a 2.5 or 2.7 liter, what they call an RPX V8, which is effectively two Hayabusa four-cylinder motorcycle engines molded together into a V. Oh, wow. And they make somewhere between 450-ish horsepower, uh, depending on the state of tune, uh, going through a paddle shift six-speed. Um, I have a lot of downforce, a lot of grip, a lot of power, and not a lot of weight. Yeah. And uh, a car similar to this, called a Norma, was the overall winner of Pikes Peak last year. Wow, okay. So I think it should be a pretty competitive car. We're running in what they call the unlimited class, which is the fastest class. So I'm pretty excited about the prospect of, you know, not just putting up the hill, but actually, you know, getting up the hill, you know, reasonably quickly. And I want to state, my intention is not, I'm not going there with the idea that anything short of an overall victory is going to be a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I'm going there with the idea that a, you know, a finish and a respectable finish and having accomplished it for my first time up is the goal.
0: Okay. So I believe in 2013, Sebastian Loeb set the record, which I think still stands, which was about 13, 14 seconds over eight minutes. Is that right? Some, yeah, some...
1: <laughs> that's, that's correct. I think eight minutes, 13 seconds. Yeah. which he competed, is But he didn't come back again last year. Ah, and, okay. and so the record didn't get broken. Last year's winner went slower than the, the record. Yeah, um, But but he was still the fastest car of, of the weekend. So,
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is fast. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about Pikes Peak, but let's go back in time again a little bit. I'd love to hear about the first, what you consider the really special race car that you ever jumped into and raced in.
1: Well, I would say the car that made the biggest impression on me um, when I first got in it and drove it was and I had raced of course carts starting when I was young and then Formula Ford and then Formula Atlantic and then Formula Super V but the car that really took my breath away was the first time I ever drove an car. it was at Indianapolis Raceway Park it was with leader card racing out of Milwaukee Wisconsin Crew chief was a guy named A.J. Watson, which some of you <laughs> listeners may have heard of.
0: Yes, I think so.
1: Builder of the famous Watson Roadster that won uh, multiple Indy 500s yep. back in the 50s and early 60s, uh, and he was crew chief. And they put me in this car, and I remember getting in that thing, and they told me, they said, you know, make sure you get the tires warm before you put put your foot down, boy. I think <laughs> was pretty much the exact <laughs> quote. <laughs> Yes, sir. I I was called boy a lot (laughs) because I was in my mid-20s and, you know, compared to Adrian, I was a boy. Yes. And so I remember, you know, being kind of a little nervous about it. But then the first time after a couple laps of warming up the tires, I put my foot down the straightaway and I thought, holy, (laughs) this is a car I can get my head around. Because when I put my foot down, it pushed me back in the seat like nothing I had ever experienced.
0: Oh, yeah. Cannot even imagine. Well, that leads me up to this next question where we'll have a little fun. Your most memorable race. Can you take us through maybe a couple of adrenaline-pumping laps of that experience and tell us what that race was, what you were driving, and some great memories you have of it?
1: Well, I just have so many. I, I think last time, you know, the, the one that pops into my head, and I think the one I told you about last time was our win in Camel Lights in mid-Ohio mm-hmm. um, with a fellow named Charles Morgan and his Spice. You know, he'd been running this car, and he had had another co-driver, and he'd been struggling a little bit, and I think uh, I was kind of a last-minute replacement for his driver, and I, I can't remember now exactly what happened, but uh, they called me in, and I met him and got in the car. We did some practice, and qualified pretty well, and uh, I think he handed me the car. He he started the race and handed me the car. You know, he was in the top five, I think, maybe, and then I got in the car and was able to just kind of get my way through traffic and end up winning the race for him, and <laughs> wow. I've never oh. seen anyone so happy in my life uh, <laughs> at, at the end of that weekend, so that was a pretty memorable race. I would think so. And, of so. course, you know, my first Indy 500 was pretty special, although I didn't finish it. Uh, it, it has meaning. Uh, to me, and you know, I've just had a lot of great races. Doing the Baja 1000 was a fantastic experience. You know, I got my full stint in before our car uh, ended up stopping. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I could rattle off a half a dozen more very very <laughs> memorable events, but but I know we'd be here all day if I did.
0: Well, I'm sure I could uh, sit and listen to you all day, but we don't have that kind of time, so we'll move forward. Let's talk a little bit about Pikes Peak. I'd love to hear about how does someone prepare for this. This is the first time you've run Pikes Peak, and and to let our listeners know who aren't real familiar with this, this is basically a giant mountain that is a 12. I think it's 12.42 miles. It used to not be fully paved, but it is now. And it starts at 9,390 feet elevation. It goes up to 14,110 feet. That's it's like driving up to our local Mount Rainier here. 156 turns, 160 entries. It's absolutely amazing. So how do you prepare for something like this when you've never done it before?
1: Well, that's a really good question. I think, uh, you know, t- t- two ways. One is you get up and drive the course in any way you can. I've driven on it a couple times when I was there visiting. We uh, just took a rental car up to the top, uh, which by the way, your typical rental car at the top of that Pike's Peak has about 20 horsepower and you're flat out in first gear going 25 miles an hour just Wondering if the car is going to even make it. (laughs) Because of the elevation, right? Because of the elevation, yes. Not to mention you're a little winded just opening the door and getting out of the car. There's just not a lot of oxygen up there. Yeah. So, you know, getting out on the course physically in a real car, and there's some opportunities to do that both in a rental car, once the snow melts. And, of course, they have some official practices starting in June. I've been playing video games and watching videos of the in-car footage, trying to learn the track. There's a lot of corners. Uh, 156 turns to be specific and you know one corner bends into the other one so it's sometimes you don't know what you know where am I (laughs) where where one corner starts and the next one stops and I think that's where people get in trouble is they you know a lot of the sections of the tracks feel the same and look the same Mm. so you think you're in one spot and you basically just get lost you think you're coming up to a big fast sweeper when in fact it's a hairpin Mm. and I think that's really the biggest danger there is remembering where you are and leaving enough in reserve so that you're not going into a blind corner, convinced in your mind it's a flat out fifth gear sweeper when in fact it's a third gear tight corner right because that's how you really get yourself in trouble so I've been working on that, and then of course, on the flip side of it is getting a good car, a safe car, getting a crew whose experience have been there before, who knows how to prepare the car because it may not be driver error you know you could have a wheel come off, you could have a you know, all kinds of mechanical issues mm-hmm. that could cause you a problem as well. Like any other form of racing, making sure your package, uh, in terms of the car, the crew, everything is set. And then, you know, physically I've been training pretty hard over the last couple of, you know, three months since first of the year, four months. I feel like now I'm, I'm in the best shape I've been in for a long, long time, uh, probably since I quit racing. And, uh, you know, that's been a motivator for me. Cause I think that you know, aerobically, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just getting out of the car, you know, just driving the car at those kind of altitudes, you know, for those local listeners here, the top of Pikes Peak is only 200 feet short of Mount Rainier, the top of Mount Rainier.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely amazing to me. And anybody who's uh, been up to an altitude that high, even if you've gone to, say, Hawaii and the top of the mountain there, I believe it's on Maui, that's pretty high, you realize pretty quickly after a short hike what that deprivation of oxygen can do to you. And and for people that have not raced cars, you are breathing a lot of oxygen in when you're racing a car. You're not just sitting there along <laughs> for the ride. It's very wearing on your body. So I, I have you gone up to Mount Rainier here <laughs> up high and, and done any hiking? Has that been any part of your training?
1: No, I haven't. But I'm going to go spend some time in Colorado. I have reason to go over there. We have a facility over there, the museum does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to spend some time up at altitude. And um, I also, somebody told me about something. I need to look into this. There's something called, I believe, an oxygen mask. Not an oxygen mask. It's called an altitude mask. And you actually put it on and it limits the amount of air that you get. Oh. Um, And so you can go work out in it. And it simulates being at altitude. And so uh, I need to uh, get down and take a look and see if I can find one of those because that seems like probably a good thing to work on uh, a little bit as well. Yeah, maybe
0: when you're on a trainer or treadmill or bike or however you're doing your aerobics, uh, throw that on your, your face and see what that does to you. So, wow, a lot of training sounds very exciting. Now, here's a question that I love to ask my guests, and I have to go back to remember how you answered this before, but it's kind of a fun one. If you were a car... What kind of, and I'll say race car, I think that'd be better for you, obviously. What kind of race car would Dominic Dobson be and why?
1: Well, I would just have to say I'd want to be a Formula One race car just because it's the best race car ever. And, you know, it's what I always aspired to be, to drive, not to be, but to drive Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And so, yeah, I, I could see that, you know, they're, well, I wouldn't say they're all attractive because they're not. But they're quick. Mm-hmm. You no, know, they're very high performance. They're kind of high strung, and for those lucky enough to get to drive them, they're kind of the ultimate machine. And you've you've
0: gotten to drive a few Formula One cars, haven't you? Not in, in Formula One races, but historic races or less on a track.
1: Yeah, both. Yeah, some historic racing and then just uh, testing, testing out on tracks. Very
0: cool. Was there one that you drove that just
1: blew you away? Well, the, the the most modern F1 car I drove ever was a 1996 Ferrari F310B that was driven by a guy named Michael Schumacher. Oh, yes. And uh, he used that particular car to win both Spa and Monaco that year. And uh, I had an opportunity to drive that car at Goodwood up the hill climb. Cool. And then at Moroso uh, Raceways in Florida. In both places, I was just pretty blown away by Performance of that car, particularly the braking. The braking was really something.
0: I've heard that about those vehicles. That the brakes are usually what surprise people the most, how effective they are. So, so Dominic, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little word from our cars, yeah, sponsor. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe VM brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy CarpeVM at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E-Gear.com. All right, Dominic, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep. What's the best racing advice you've ever received, and who was it from?
1: I don't know who originally did it, but it was, uh faster you want to go, the heavier your wallet better be on the gas pedal.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your
1: success over the years? I think just motivation and desire. You can't give up on your dream. Even if it's beyond, you know, for me now, just the... the uh, sticking with it and, and never giving up. There's a million reasons why I shouldn't be going and doing Pike's Peak or Bonneville at my age. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's only a few that I, reasons I should, and, and those take precedence, and it's, they're, is, they're simply personal.
0: Well, I think that's great. I had a guest on a few weeks ago, Chris Swedo, who's a filmmaker. And your comment brought to mind a film he did at Bonneville with John Fitch getting into oh. a Mercedes and driving the mercedes at bonneville and he made a comment in that film that and john fitch is quite elderly at the time i think he was in his 80s and he said when he walked up to that car he stood taller his eyes shone brighter and everything about him reduced in age (laughs) so (laughs) i think there's uh, something true to that to sticking with your dreams and not giving up do you have a resource that you think the car show listeners
1: would really enjoy well, I mean, lately, I, my favorite website has been the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. I can't
0: imagine why. <laughs> I, I've
1: spent a fair bit of time on that, and of course, I'm on their mailing list, so I get their bulletins. And you know, yeah. of all the mail that I get every day, emails and things like that, that's the one that I will stop what I'm doing and read read it. Yeah. and make sure that i'm kind of up to speed on on what's going on
0: yeah that's a great resource i think uh our
1: listeners that are listening to this will log into that well and i'll put in a plug for my website too because yes. uh you know i've been trying to update some information on there about what we're doing and keep keep it updated and that's dobsonmotorsport.com
0: absolutely great and how about a book
1: is there a book that you think the car Show listeners should get their hands on and read you know, the book I just finished reading, which I would recommend to anyone who likes cars and racing, in particular if they're a Formula One fan, is I'm No Angel. It's the autobiography of Bernie Ecclestone. <laughs> it is a fascinating Fascinating read.
0: Great book. that uh, has not been recommended here on Cars yeah, so we'll add that to our reading list. That's fantastic. And listeners, you can find links to all these resources at CarsYeah.com slash Dominic Dobson. All right, Dominic, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. We'll see if your answers changed any since you were back on the show uh, last year. If you could only have one collector race car in your stable but don't worry about the cost because today I'll buy you any car in the world. What would that one vehicle be and why?
1: Um, It would be the uh, 1957 millimilia winning Ferrari 315S that I had the privilege of having in my care for a few years and uh, I had the opportunity to drive it in a couple of photo shoots and on a tour and it is the most fantastic racing vehicle I've ever been behind the wheel of in terms of its historical significance, the sound it makes, the aura it creates, and just how it made me feel when I got behind the wheel.
0: Fantastic car. It's a beautiful car.
1: Dominic, you have taken
0: me on a great ride today, and I knew you would. I really appreciate you coming back and telling us of this new venture that you're taking part of, and I've really enjoyed talking to you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you head off to Pikes Peak in that radical SR8 RX sports racer?
1: I would just say the same thing that it was told to me when I was a young boy, and that is pursue your dreams. If there's something you want to do, then figure out a way to go do it.
0: Great advice. What is the best way for our listeners to learn more about this new venture, learn about you, and discover how to get involved and
1: even sponsor you if they want to? Well, I would say go on to my website, and that's dobsonmotorsport.com. We will have a link to the Pikes Peak website. And there's also, we'll be updating press releases. We have a new sponsor we're going to announce. In fact, I think I can probably just announce it now because we are going to do a release for that. But we did just sign uh, Sport Clips. All right. It's the uh, sports male-oriented sports haircutting. Yeah. Uh, barbershops. There's a chain of them around the country and they've got some in Colorado. So they're going to be a associate sponsor, secondary sponsor on our car. Very we're cool. Very excited to have a new relationship with them. Yes. Uh, but we'll be keeping uh, keeping the site updated in terms of what it is we're, we're trying to accomplish.
0: Let's do a shout out too for the other sponsors that are backing you on this venture. Who
1: are they? Uh, GoProMotorsports.com. <laughs> uh, yes. The company of the, the owner. Uh, Triarch Electric. A um, good friend of mine uh, from Tukwila uh, uh, electrical wholesale supply. Um, my good friend, Rod Faulkner, DuMont Tech Racing Oils. And, of course, the LeMay Museum is uh, also supporting me by creating the opportunity for me to go do that and take some time off.
0: Fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Dominic has shared with us today, including his great sponsors uh, at CarsYad.com. Just put Dominic, D-O-M-I-N-I-C in the search bar. His show notes page, both his first show here on CarsYad yeah, about a year ago, show number 10, and the current show, show number 255, will show up for you to read. Dominic, thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners We wish you the best of luck at Pikes Peak. I can't wait to watch you drive up that mountain. It's so exciting. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up!